Hi, welcome to the Whole Therapist Podcast. We're leaving out the theorizing and exploring this strange phenomenon of being a human and a therapist. I'm Kelly, licensed marriage and family therapist, working in private practice settings as a clinician and a clinical supervisor in the Denver metro area. And I'm Abby. I'm a licensed clinical social worker and the owner of a group practice in the Denver metro area. Kelly and I are both registered play therapists, supervisors, and EMDR certified. So we're both therapists, but this is not therapy. And we're both supervisors, but this is not supervision. This podcast is purely for fun. So for any ethical concerns on your caseload, please refer to your state laws and licensing boards. And please remember to follow The Whole Therapist on Instagram, Facebook, and subscribe on your favorite podcast listening station. For more resources, blogs, and consultation opportunities, visit wholetherapistinstitute.com. So come join our conversation while we explore the embodied experience of neuroscience and authenticity in the therapy room. Hi, welcome to The Whole Therapist Podcast. I'm Kelly. And I'm Abby. Hopefully you have something yummy in front of you to sip on while we're all together today. Yeah. I'm wishing, well, we can't eat while we're doing this. No. We've tried that and it's gross to listen back to. Well, yeah, I think we've <laughs> tried like drinking even. And, I know. Yeah. You just be thirsty the whole time. <laughs> so we'll we, live vicariously through you. I know. I hope you're all nourishing your bodies right now. We are taking a break from our summer seasonal book series to um, talk about a different, this is a lot of alliteration structure. Yeah. Uh, we're going to talk about structure today. It just feels like it's been on on our mind. Yeah. Some themes I've um, been having pop up in hearing other therapists is, there's lots around structure, but specifically what's been popping up in my uh, consultations and supervisions is clients asking to bring other people in. So, hey, you know, I want my sibling to come in. Hey, I want my best teenage friend to come in. Hey, I want, you know, my grandma to come in. And it kind of goes back to where the base of where your framework or theory is, is we just, when we're making those decisions, why is this clinically appropriate for the client? Yeah. It is not like, sure, yeah, bring them in. What what is your clinical decision for bringing this client in? (sighs) Is it irritating for you when people just, <laughs> I can just feel this like, it's not willy nilly. <laughs> well, and I, I wish you could see my hand. I'm like yes. orchestrating over here. <laughs> if I had one of those things, uh, I'd be. It, it is, is charged though, right? Yes. And I did it. Yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. I, but, and I'm just trying to think of a time where it just like went so badly, but. Oh, just pick a pick any time, right? Like over time, I think that there's something around giving up power, like sharing power and giving up power and authority as the therapist. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it can feel so good to say yes. Mm -hmm. And what we think is sharing power or building rapport, at least in my experience, it's always like, well, this, I think it's building safety and rapport or, Mm -hmm. um, actually becomes like not feeling so safe because there's not consistency or predictability Mm -hmm. to how we're doing session. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. As you're talking, it's making me think I'm doing this group supervision with Paris Goodyear Brown Mm -hmm. for her trauma play. And this last group supervision we did, 
she was talking about boundaries in our yeses and nos. She was actually talking about how Dan Siegel, when he's done a presentation, will in this very soothing way go, yes, yes, yes. And how it, just noticing what that feels like to be told that in this, you know, very soothing way. You know, even in the connected parent, they talk Mm -hmm. about yeses versus nos. And in wherever Paris went in this discussion she was having, that nos are just as important. Yeah. And so sometimes maybe we said a yes and we wish that we hadn't, Mm -hmm. or we said no, we wish that we hadn't, or we said yes and we were really happy we said yes, or we said no, we were really happy we said no. So as I'm thinking about what you just said and like people bringing in clients, it's about boundaries. Yeah. So that's really, I think, what comes up for me because I've done a lot of my own work around boundaries. (laughs) I think between the two of us, we could teach a whole intensive about (laughs) boundaries. Yeah, and how how important they are Mm -hmm. um, for the therapist and the client and the relationship, the space between. Boundaries create safety. Yeah, yeah. And we're in charge. Right. And there's a when I say we're in charge... I think for a newer therapist, they might hear that differently versus mm-hmm. maybe a seasoned therapist. I think Robin talks about the like follow, lead, follow. Yeah. But we're still in charge because we're setting that structure up. I'm setting the structure of follow, lead, follow. Yeah. In charge doesn't mean that it's my agenda, but it is my job as a therapist to create safety. And if I have structure and boundaries, I'm creating safety. And mm-hmm. so many of our clients, whether they're adults, teens, children, don't have that in their lives. Right. And I guess I have this question around who decides, mm. who gets to decide the boundary? Mm-hmm. Like how how can that be really healing to collaboratively come up with that? Yes. Um, and how necessary is it sometimes for the therapist to name it yeah. and decide, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I, I just brings me back to consultation and supervision and um, the need, like I can think of some supervisees where there's certain boundaries that I've needed to just name. Mm-hmm. And then there's other consultees or supervisees where it's quite collaborative. Mm-hmm. Um, same with clients. Mm-hmm. And who decides? Yes. I, mean, I do believe it's a collaborative. Or if you think about supervision, like the developmental process, mm-hmm. you know, maybe at the yep. beginning, I'm right. going to take the lead. Yeah. And as the therapist grows and our relationship grows, it becomes more collaborative, Yeah, which I am finding even in my own clients. I, as I've worked with clients for three and four and five years, like we have a very different relationship I know. than the person I've just started with. Yeah. Which feels really good. Mm-hmm. I have found like, not because of just merely a fondness for someone that you've seen mm-hmm. for years, but more of a, it's so known Mm-hmm. how to name the relational, like what's coming alive in that moment together. Mm-hmm. Um, when you know someone's nervous system well, or it's familiar. Yeah. 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 Well, what you're saying, I had actually recently spoke about, if I have a child client specifically that says, hey, I want to bring my sibling back or I want to bring my friend with me to therapy. It is not a, like, no, we can't do that. Right. That doesn't, that's right. not going to serve anybody. But my discussion is that seems really important in this session. We we won't be able to do that, but let's spend our time today talking about mm-hmm. what that's going to look like and what we'll do. 
Because especially for kids, they may have this whole idea about what it's going to be. And so sometimes when I start to tell them, you know, when they come back, here is the way that session will go with them coming back. Mm -hmm. And the reason why I'm going to take charge on how session's going to go is because I'm going to protect my client. Yeah. And if I have some sense about their sibling or if we've talked about the friend and so I'll already know the things that we need to do. Yeah. But yes, there is like, those people can come back, but let's pause, have some impulse control, talk about compromise, structure, predictability. Mm-hmm. Those are all wonderful things to do. And if the client can't tolerate that conversation, that's even more information for you. Yeah. So it's all information. Yes. As you set structure collaboratively, it's all information for you as the therapist. Mm-hmm. But I think it gets really charged around essentially what what boundaries mean to the clinician. Yeah. Right. I'm noticing that when we started, like you noticed out loud for me that I was very amped up. And now I'm like, huh. Once I like was like, oh yeah, it's about boundaries and yeah. my own work. Let's just settle in here. <laughs> like the familiar territory of boundaries are safe. I am curious where, well, I guess I could substitute the word boundaries in too, but I was curious where you learned the value of structure mm-hmm. as a therapist or as a human or both and boundaries. Right. I think I have to think a little longer about the therapist, but boundaries for sure. In my early twenties, I found a therapist that actually did DBT to fidelity. Yeah. Um, and she, her voice is always in my head and I love this woman. Um, but she'd always be like, and Kelly, how is that maintaining self-respect? <laughs> and I'd be like, <laughs> and that, that taught me boundaries, yeah. right? Like maintaining self-respect for me meant boundaries. Yeah. So I definitely learned that there, there was no learning of boundaries prior to getting into therapy with this woman. Um, but as a therapist, I can name so many pitfalls and I I think I've talked on another podcast about like working in home and learning about boundaries. And I I think that I have let clients many times, whether I was a therapist or what was called like a family support specialist or a client advocate, I have become resentful with clients because I've allowed them to take things too far. You know, I'm driving around with this client for two hours, finding some house with their paycheck yeah, or I'm allowing a session to go for two and a half hours because I want them to be able to process and and they're that's into my time. The pay is not there. Yeah. Um, I've maybe allowed a client to yell or speak to me in a way too long that you know wasn't good for me. So I don't know if there was a specific time, mm-hmm. but it's over time these moments. And so maybe, as I'm talking about it out loud, is that that really needs to happen for the people that I supervise. Like over time, mm-hmm. they'll have these same moments that I do and they will begin to, I think maybe my job is, hey, let's notice if this is a boundary yeah. and are you rubbing up against it? And that way you'll notice it the next time mm-hmm. and the next time and each time um, there'll be some more integration. Yeah. Well, I can hear the valuing of connection and all those examples. Yes. Like in that moment, trying to keep connection with that family. Mm-hmm. Right. So I think that abandoning self-respect or your own needs mm-hmm. adaptively to keep connection with your family or your client. Yep. I can imagine all the ways that goes back to like 
family of origin stuff. Mm -hmm. And right. But I think that there's just so much more room when it's like, well, of course, like, you know, you were a newer therapist, right? Doing mm -hmm. in-home. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. It's really funny that we did like similar. Yeah. Cause you did the domestic violence. Domestic violence. Yeah. yeah. I did. I was an RA and then I also did the, um, in-home yeah. stuff. But... And we both started out as journalists. Majors. I know. Yeah. <laughs> and here we are on the podcast. Also something I never thought I would do. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. I think there's more room when we can bring some compassion once again, like overused word, but truly mm -hmm. like bring in this like deep, um, generative idea around compassion. Like it kept, kept connection and it served its purpose in that moment. And it certainly got in, you are in the family's way. Mm -hmm. Like it can be an underdeveloped piece boundaries, but yeah, um, it does take time. I think that's painful, that lesson. Yeah. <laughs> I relate, yeah. So maybe that's even the piece when I'm like frustrated. It's, I just don't want them to go through the same growing pains, but so necessary. So necessary, yeah. 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 Imagine that must be what it's like to be a parent. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like yeah. watching these little people um, ha have to learn some things in their own time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you think you have an example of like where you learn that personally or professionally structure or boundaries? There's a part of me that really hates boundaries, hmm. right? So like, I think b before we were recording, you brought up the image of a Jenga, oh, a yeah. game of Jenga. And I just noticed how much I don't, I really hate the idea of thinking about therapy like Jenga. Hmm. It feels very rigid and hmm. they're blocks and they're, and I think of, there's a part of me that wants therapy. I'm just so much more right-brained and like, um, but it can get in my way, not having enough structure. Mm. Um, I want therapy to be more like, uh, I'm thinking of the Indian holiday, Holy, Holly, oh, I with don't all know. the colors, oh, yes. celebration of light, yeah. right? Is yeah. that what it is? Yeah, we really tried to go to India at that time. It's yes. like in February. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. Um, for some reason, that's the image in my mind of like, I want therapy to feel so much more like bursts of color and um but it can be untethered without structure mm -hmm. right so i don't know about i mean i didn't grow up with good boundaries in my life and had to work a lot in my own therapy around it but i think as a therapist i think feeling into the body-based sensations around not having boundaries has been helpful so things like if i don't do my notes I have to stay up late doing them and then I'm really tired the next day. Mm -hmm. And that's not a good boundary for myself, like as an admin mm -hmm. piece to not do my notes at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. um, or if I go over with a client, then the rest of my sessions are all, I'm just apologizing all day. Yes. And that feels really bad in my nervous system to start off session apologizing. Yep. And then I'm really tired and I didn't get the breaks I needed. And so I think that learning from just in my body, like it doesn't feel good to not have a, a container. Yeah. So I like the idea of like structure as a therapist provides a holding space. Makes me think of the sand tray, how Marshall will have, I learned that from him, just like having the client trace the outline of the sand tray before they start. Yeah, I do that. Yeah, 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 to talk about how it's going to hold. And I think of that, that is a sacred job to like be the container that holds and we do need structure and it cannot be untethered and we can't not know at least the theoretical path that we're on. Correct. Right. You think Paris Goodyear Brown calls the therapist safe bosses. 
Yeah. You know, because she's doing play therapy and that's what we are. I know. Yeah. And I think of as a parent, like I, I have gotten a lot more comfortable with structure and boundaries since having three kids. Like those kids need to know what's coming next. Yeah. <laughs> like at least some rhythm. It creates such safety yeah. for them and for me. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, it ties in a little bit to two things. One, when they ask, can I bring, you know, so-and-so in, that's the content. Yes. So this is what we were just talking about with chapter three in the summer book series. Yep. You know, can can we actually pause to talk with the client so that they can also understand the process of why they're asking? Mm-hmm. And then when you started to talk about the family dynamic stuff, it just, that is what chapter four is yeah. going to be about. And yeah. so we will um, pick up with chapter four, kind of knowing that really what we're talking about here is this family dynamic work. And the narratives. Mm-hmm. We can't wait to talk about it with you all. It's like a juicy chapter. So if you're not following along, um, you have time to jump in with us. Yeah. Or just the next one. It's the surface and deep narratives chapter, chapter four. It's going to be yeah, great. It's going to be so good. We're going to leave you with some mindfulness. And once again, we're really jamming with this flora healing restorative cards. The image that we pulled is this um, flower, Dianthus. And it symbolizes knowing your limits. Dianthus is gentle and sweet, a beautiful accompaniment to any garden. This flora is flexible and unassuming, and yet its message is weighty. Historically revered as the flower of the gods, a muse for many in power, Dianthus is a reminder of humility, humanity, and limits. As you contemplate the journey before you, consider the edges of your energy. How much you can take is not the same as what you should take on. Setting boundaries is as important to your well-being as remaining open and engaged. Limits support understanding, establish rules, expectations, and they force conversations about what is and is not acceptable. What limits have you set for yourself and do they help or hinder you? I guess I would ask, what limits do you set in the therapy space and how do they help or hinder you?